Welcome to The Vital Podcast, where church revitalization is vitally important. Thanks for tuning in for proven and practical resources to help lead your church toward the fullness God has for them. This is a show where we not only come alongside to motivate you on your leadership journey, we give you tactical strategies to implement on your way to church health and growth. And now here's your host, Canon Mark Eldridge. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of The Vital Podcast. I'm Canon Mark Eldridge, uh, your host today. I'm always the host. At any rate, I'm really glad to have you join us on this episode on The Vital Podcast, where we talk about all things vital to church revitalization, particularly in Anglican churches and, and, and church health and leadership in those churches and how to help churches in general turn around and be fulfilling the Great Commission in better ways in, in our time. So again, glad you're here. I'm really excited today to have with me in studio uh, my friend and uh, the pastor of the church that I go to, the rector of the church I go to here in Jacksonville, Florida, the Reverend Joe Porfidio. So welcome, Joe. Thank you, Mark. Nice to be here. Thanks. Thank yeah. Thanks so, for the privilege. Yeah. So Joe, the reason I wanted Joe to come join us on this, uh, on the podcast today is because uh, I've been coaching Joe for, I don't know, several years now. Um as he's been, he's in the middle of revitalizing this church here in Jacksonville. And so I initially was coaching him and then eventually uh, started attending uh, the church myself. And, and now my wife and I are members there and helping, helping in, in the revitalization process. And so, uh, but, but things are going well. And so we, we like to sometimes hear, we hear stories about how, you know, our things are struggling, but we're, we, it's good to share some stories about how the, the principles of that we teach these vital strategies um, are working. And so anyway, I just wanted to jo- hear you all to hear Joe's story and um, the Resurrection Church's story and, and how they're working the, the process of revitalization and it might give you some encouragement and some ideas out there as well. So, so let's start with just, I want Joe, to, you to tell, the, tell our listeners a little bit about you know, the story, how you came to the church, what the church was like when you got there, um, and, um, and just kind of kind of how things have been going. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. So, yeah, I was in the process of transferring from another denomination into the Anglican Church in North America, uh, particularly into our diocese. And uh, in the summer of 2016, the pastor at that time made a decision that he was going to resign and felt like it was really appropriate for me to step in as the um, rector. And so he met with our bishop or bishop met with me. Um, we'd gone through a hard time as a church. Uh, the church had actually been in existence since um, 2011. And uh, we, we had gone through this uh, peak growth. And then all of a sudden, for many reasons, the church started to decline and uh, went from a, a number of about 115 down to by the time I came into the church as the rector, we'd, we'd been attending there for a while, mm-hmm. yeah. which sort of made the transition into it really, you know, natural, of course. And so when we came into it, we had um, 19 people. Wow. And just, uh, let me pause you there. So just, uh, you know, those of you are listening, I mean, talking about the life cycle of church, it peaked at 115, a plant that got to one. That's pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of yep. churches would love to have 115 and then got all the way down to 19. Correct. Uh, and then then you became rector. So that's that's a church in need of revitalization for sure. 100%. And deep in the decline uh, hundred percent. Yeah, we we were we were desperate. You know, it was kind of like this is the last shot. Either this either it works or you know we're going to close the doors and we'll all move on to something different. Right. Um, so I I became the um, the pastor in um, August of 2016. Was ordained as a priest in November and installed at that point in time. 
And to give context to the story, uh, when we had moved from a previous location because we couldn't afford the rent at that place, right. when we had moved into this location, we went from a 10 o'clock Sunday morning service. And the only thing we could do was a five o'clock Sunday evening service because we shared space with the Presbyterian Church. Gotcha. They were really gracious to let us come in and and uh, utilize their space, didn't charge us a lot of money. It was yeah. something that really fit for us. And but that five o'clock hour was really a difficult time. Sure. And uh, a lot of Angl- well, a lot of people, period, but a lot of Anglicans don't like the idea of coming out at, at five o'clock to yeah. go to a service on Sunday evening. Right. So by the Lord's grace, a lot of time with our vestry and prayer, you know, it's Lord, we're just going to kind of pause here, seek you. We don't want to just get crazy about doing things and, and adopt what would seem to be natural church growth techniques. Let's just kind of seek your face. And the first thing that happened is uh, in February, I went to the pastor of the Presbyterian Church and said, is there any possibility that we could move to a morning service? And graciously, he said, yeah, you, I mean, you guys can do nine o'clock if you like. So you can do it a hundred percent. So you can do a nine to 10. We do our Sunday school beginning at quarter to 10. You just need to be out of the facility by 1030. So we did it. We, We made that transition. Our first Sunday, at the nine o'clock service was Pentecost, two, excuse me, uh, Palm Sunday, 2017. Okay. So at that point, continuing to do what we, what we do, of course, the sermon, everything had to be tight. It, it, it had to be buttoned. It had yeah. to be on time, on point, because we had one hour period. Yeah. Um, we were in their church. So we had to set up our you know, technical department and et cetera, et cetera. So um, we started to grow a little bit. And um, I think it was 2018, you and I came on board together in terms of a mentor-mentee mm-hmm. relationship. And um, we started talking about things that we could do into in, in the church in terms of the, the life of the body. And by the end of 2017, we had kicked up to about 30 to 33 people, which is fantastic from where we were, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of things that we did do, you and I started talking about the vitals. Right. And the other thing that we we did to sort of help the church, we, we had learned that in our area, there was a, a massive opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about how, how could we reach out into that community and provide not only, you know, ministry and help and, and, and service, but how can we evangelize people as well? And so we started looking at Celebrate Recovery right. and spent considerable time thinking it through because your church is 35 people, pretty big commitment. Yeah. Um, a lot of responsibility added on my side. I'm bivocational at that point in time, hundred percent. I'm, I'm working for a software company, you know, 40 to 45 hours a week and, and, and pastoring however much it takes to get it done. And, um, and to start something like celebrate recovery on top of that with, with, is a big, big commitment. Absolutely. And, and I just want the listeners to know that, I mean, if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll probably have heard me talk about celebrate recovery because that was a big part of when I was a rector, what helped our church. Um, similar, we're, you know, Pastor Joe's church and my church, we're on the same side of town, but my, my church was, uh, even further on the West side, even lower income. So anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is you've heard me talk about, but I like, to be clear, I didn't push this on him, you know, hey, Correct. you should do celebrate recovery because it worked for me. It was just as we were talking about mm-hmm. what would be the best way to connect with unchurched people, um, uh, Joe, through prayer on his own, you know, came to the idea that that celebrate recovery would, would be a good match um, and something that, that Resurrection Church should do, which, of course, I was happy to help him with, but go ahead. 100%. So, so we went through a process of, of reviewing CR and kind of thinking about how do we plug that in here, you know, assembling a team and 
Um, so in 2019, we kicked off CR. Uh, by that point, we we're about 40 people and uh, we're still meeting on Sunday mornings. Um, and we started at, and, and CR w- was good. It, 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 it never exploded, but we were providing ministry for people with hurts, habits, and hangups mm-hmm. and people that weren't in the church, which is really our goal that to, to kind of create a bridge into the community so that uh, folks that had no idea about the Anglican church, no idea that we even existed within a Presbyterian church, right. you know, could learn a little bit about us. So um, what we did then, in, in addition to that, as it started to grow, we started to do um, a lot of internal uh building a lot of community things a lot of community picnics a lot of um food things you know people people love food and and people started inviting some of their friends to those to those meals and so by um the end of but by the summer of 2019 we're consistently at about 40 42 people and uh, and that growth is on both sides it's Mm -hmm. not just you know, 42 octogenarians, it's, it's some seasoned Christians and it's middle-aged Christians and it's younger Christians. And some of those were new to the faith. And uh, so it was, the Lord was blessing in a really healthy way, yeah. mm-hmm. not attracting people from other churches, which we would not have wanted to do. Uh, so a lot of fresh growth in that respect. And so in the, in the summer of 2019, we realized uh, it's kind of a crazy story. Uh, I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. It's 4th of July weekend, this weekend right now. So 4th of July weekend. And I'm preaching on that morning and we're having a 4th of July picnic afterwards. So our people invited lots of people. We had 65 people in church on that Sunday and all the spaces for parking were all taken. So when the Presbyterians showed up for the for their church for their Sunday school, we occupied all the prime spots. Yeah. Well, one of our guys had had parked his car in in a way that blocked the overflow parking. So we had this well-meaning guy with the Presbyterian Church come to the back door, and I, I literally I'm right in the middle of a sermon. I, I look oh, at I, I was there that day. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of stands with his hands on his hips, and he's real quiet and you know just real gruff and face. Right in the middle of the sermon, exactly. And so I, I paused and I said, I, I said. Um, Everything okay? What's going on? And and little, I don't think the congregation heard it by God's grace, but he said, he goes, you got somebody parking in a place so that the real members of this church can't get in. And I'm like, oh boy, his name was Harold. I said, okay, Harold, no worries. We'll, we'll manage that. Well, yeah. that kind of put us in a position and not to disrespect them. Yeah. Um, it was their church. We, we, under, we understood sure. that. It was, um, it was just a, a, a point of like, huh, maybe we should look at some, some changes. Got to start thinking, right? Yeah. So we started thinking about relocating and looked at a couple of places. They just didn't fit for us. And by February of 2020, one of our, uh, one of the men in our church called me and said, Hey, what do you think about going to a bank? I said, sounds great. Um, l- let's do it. So he and I went over to this bank. It was a Wells Fargo bank. We went inside and looked out. I mean, it's just been, a, it had been a bank that hadn't been, un- was unoccupied for two, three, four years. Yeah. And, uh, so we go in and of course it's a bank mark. It just, well, you were there, yeah. you, you know, so offices all around it, really minimal area for people to congregate. Of course, teller station, typical when two, you come two in. Two big pillars right in the middle of the of the, um, the lobby area. or yeah, 100%. You look at anything, you can't turn this into a church, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we went in there and uh, the guy's name is JB. So JB and I went in there, kind of looked at it, thought about it, that this can work. And so we got our vestry and our vestry came over and, 
a couple strange looks, but we can make this work. And so we announced on a Sunday morning, invited everybody from the congregation to come over. Everyone came over, kind of looked through it, went through the whole building upstairs, downstairs. And it was like, we can make this work. So we started a process then of, of building it out and transforming it into a, a worship center. Go ahead. Well, it just, it just now I was there, so I'm remembering something. But the interesting timing of that, too, is you might have heard of Joe mention it's February 2020 when this was all happening. Mm-hmm. Well, then obviously March of 2020, we're shutting down COVID and all that stuff that so we're doing online. So it was really and then there was just that weird season. And so rather than in that in that season of uh, COVID and, and kind of, you know, wringing our hands and thinking, well, what? I guess what what do we do? We use that that downtime as mm-hmm. a, during that season to be proactive in building out the building, and so it was, really it was a perfect timing. Although it was a risk in terms of like money and stretching financially and things because of COVID and what's going to happen, and but by faith went for it and it worked out. And, and we did, and then it was you know a huge risk in terms of just the money, but. Will COVID abate to the point that we can even utilize the facility? Because we've been Zooming all of our services. You right. remember that. Yeah. So so by, um, by Pentecost of 2020, we held our first service in the new building. Of course, we took all the COVID protocols and masks mm-hmm. and had signs all over the place. You know, don't don't six feet, you know, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. Get it right. And um, so we started service there. And in... Of course, you know, everybody's excited. Um, we're at this point probably somewhere around 45 people Sunday in, Sunday out. So huge vision, huge faith, mm-hmm. huge trust in the Lord to, to make this happen. And at the same time, we are, when we came into this location, we're kind of thinking through the vitals. Right. Um, how do we make the vitals, not just something that's in my heart and your heart, how do we get these vitals into the hearts of the congregation? So how, how do the vitals um, really drive what the church does not just a, a nice thing we talk about or oh yeah yeah we're supposed to but like we really want to be healthy in all five of these vital areas and how do we make sure that's happening in all aspects of the hundred percent so one of the things that we did is we we took one of our back walls and we had a board made with the vitals our missions on it and we had the vitals put on it yeah and so i'm always able to refer to that and people when they come in they're seeing that when visitors come in they see that uh, so we, we made that a centerpiece in terms of here's what we're about. Here's where we're going. Um, in our vestry meetings, we started to transition to um, everything that we want to talk about in terms of new business. Does it does it fit into those vitals? Is it evangelistic? Is it worship oriented, community oriented? Or are we talking about how we're discipling people? Is it, is it service? And so our vestry meetings transition from just being a board meeting, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, not B-O-R-E-D, but, yeah. you know, uh, but, but a board meeting right. uh, to a vision meeting. So we did business, but also the, vi- the part of the business was uh, you're charged with the responsibility of the church. Let's start thinking through the vitals in terms of everything that we do. And so they're, they obviously transition that direction. I love that because then the, then the decisions are being made on based on, will this decision better help us fulfill one of these five vital areas or not? If not, then let's not do it. If so, then let's do it. Or, you know, so that's brilliant. I love that. So so I, I, that was all him in the vestry. I, I mean, you might have asked me about it, and I probably said, "Yeah, good idea," but it wasn't my idea. But I just so I love it how how Joe just kind of 
took this to heart and run, ran with it. But go ahead. And, and so that's that's our DNA. So it, it makes sense that that DNA be everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, we started making that transition, and then something happened really um, peculiar in the life of the congregation and me by the by October of 2020. And so you, you knew this um, years ago, I was a golf professional. Mm-hmm. In fact, I left the golf business to go into ministry in a different movement. And um, I'd, I'd been working at the previous company for 10 years, just ready for a change. And well, the head pro at Magnolia Point, which is in Green Coast Springs, they, they don't know about that, no, but no, 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 it's, a golf course. It, it's, it's a golf course. Well, he uh, resigned. And so I, I came home and told Kathy, I said, Hey babe, I, th- I think I'll put my name in there. I, it's impossible for the job to come to me because I've been out of the business for 30 years. You never return where you, where you left and uh, you're just not going to start there. And so I went in and talked to the owner of the club. The long and the short of it is he liked the idea by November 1st, I was no longer in sales. I was well, software sales. I was a golf pro as well as a bivocational pastor. Well, what I thought was going to be a 40 hour a week job, turned into 60 to 65 hours a week. And so my time to pastor our church, it it, it just had a grip around it. And so in the middle of all this, um, what we did as a church, which is part of um, our our, our vitals in the sense of uh, transformation to Christ-likeness, we started to pray, um, Lord, we need you to bring laborers to our church. We, we, we're asked, Jesus said, pray the Lord will harvest these for laborers. Mm-hmm. That's a prayer you can ask. And yeah. Jesus, in theory, would say, 100%, I'm answering that prayer. you to ask for this, pray yeah. this way? So 100%. Mm-hmm. So the vestry, um, I sent out a weekly email with a devotional in it. That prayer was in my weekly devotional email and in a prayer list. Um, we talked about that all the time. So we started asking the Lord to add to our congregation. So... Um, we have actually grown to over, by the way, I I came on full-time in March, but for 18 months of really not being present other than Sunday morning service and a couple other things, um, our church grew from 40 people to 60 people. That's great. And it's just the grace of the Lord. And so we are now at a place where uh, we swelled and you would hope you would, but we swelled at Easter and had 83 people. Mm-hmm. And so our swell points are, are, yeah. are much higher. And, right. and, and when it comes back down, those are, are higher, obviously. And um, you know, one of the things that we've done over the course of the last several months, we did a, a uh, discovering your spiritual gifts, part of our transformation in Christ. Which be part of the discipleship process, which is the L of the, of the vitals is lay mobilization. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you specifically intentionally moving people into ministry and not just sort of hoping people figure it out, but Correct. you're moving them intentionally into their service. So uh, on, on point, added that. on point. And, and, and I had that conversation with the investor that we were going to do this. Um, and, and, and here's, here's the box that it checks. Here's the mm-hmm. vital that it checks. This is why it's important. And so what we did is we, we, we uh, held that uh, we did on Pentecost Sunday, uh, but we held that. And um, I am gradually now meeting with 22 people. Um, it's crazy. It's awesome. We had a third of our congregation participate in spiritual gifts seminar. So, I love it. so we had 22 people. I'm in the process now of meeting with those individually so that we can have a, a debrief. And just to be clear, in the meeting with the, these people took this class mm-hmm. on understanding their gifts and service and stuff, and you're going to meet with them to specifically one on one to do what? To talk about the uh, survey they took, the, mm-hmm. the answers or, or the outcomes, yeah. probably a better thing, and kind of did. 
Were you surprised by that? Does that seem to make sense? And where do you see that working in the life of our congregation? How can we assimilate that gifting uh, into the everyday community at, at Resurrection? And, and then an outcome of that meeting would be them getting plugged into some ministry within the church. Absolutely. Right. So that, that would be the long-term goal. Which is great. I love that because, again, it's not just like come to a class, nothing ever happens, or uh, you know, preach on it. Hey, more people should be involved and nothing happens. You're actually following up with them and then one-on-one working with them. And, and in, you know, bigger churches, you might have some, have someone else, you know, a staff person or a, someone else do those meetings with people. But either way, you're having intentionally getting them plugged in rather than just, again, boy, that'd be great. We, we have 20% of the people doing all the work and we just wish there was more people serving. Well, this is a way to do it. Anyway, so I love that. That's, that's good well, stuff. And it respected their time. So they gave almost two hours of their time on a Sunday after service and it was, you know, I don't want you just to attend this this seminar and, and I get to feel good because you showed up to the seminar. Right. We want to value your time. And so here's the goal that you discover your ministry gifts that allows you then to work through the congregation. And, and it's honoring the fact that um, they they're they're making a commitment to the church. And that spiritual gift seminar flows out of a membership class that we had in April. And again, we did it on a Sunday after services, made sense to honor people's time. You know, people are so busy. Um, we had 20 people added to the church that Sunday so great. and um, kind of went through our, our membership strategies, et cetera. And uh, so everything that we're doing, we're trying to, to think through, does it fit evangelism goal? I guess I should say um, we have a pretty significant vision for evangelism, or we, we hope yeah. that that continues right, to grow, right? right? right. Um, one of the things that we started talking about our vestry and um, and I, we started talking about how do we get into the schools that are around us? And so there's a school, Lakeshore Middle School. It's literally three minutes from our church. Well, I called over there, met the principal and her secretary. We had an hour conversation. So excited that we, you know, that I came over and introduced myself and excited that there was a, a church in the area. Apparently not many have yet. They will, but not many have yet reached out, uh, reached out. Exactly. And she's a believer. She's been in that slot for four months. She's one of those kind of principals that rebuild schools. The school has an F rating. So she's got a lot of goals. And, and um, she said, we would love to have your church's partner. So, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing, we're going to have her come over to the church the next um, two or three Sundays so that she can share the vision of the school with the congregation. And that way it's not third party. They're here in her heart. It, it'll just boost that overall a hundred percent. And then um, we're already talking about, you know, how do we adopt a classroom, two classrooms, a back to school breakfast for the teachers, uh, backpacks for, you know, a couple of students, you know, adopting some families, ways that we can be really intentional for our size congregation yeah. and really offer the, the, complement of vitals because yeah. it's not at that point just evangelism it's it's, it's the complement of vitals and well that's, that's great i'm glad you threw that in because because the silver recovery was was a piece but that's that's a mm-hmm. piece so now um you're you're taking that kind of the next level how can you go out into the community somewhere to build that relationship where people are and the beauty, beauty of it is in an f school in this area mm-hmm. No doubt there's going to be some of the people that we interact with um, in that school and parents and teachers that we're going to need celebrate recovery. Mm-hmm. And that might be a place Well, I'm not ready for church, but I'll come to that recovery thing you do on Tuesday nights. And then there, then 
come into the church on Sunday mornings. And some people might be like, oh, I've been looking for a church or some people. So, but it's just that the celebrate recovery gives another sort of um, on-ramp in rather than just Sunday morning church is the only thing to invite to. But we've got to wrap up now, Joe, but thank, thank you so much for sharing all this. Absolutely. Stuff. I love it. I love how you've, um, you know, you've, you've incorporated the vitals just into the DNA and are uh, being intentional about it. Cause, and, and, because that's what works, and you're seeing the fruit of that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, again, thank you. for You're welcome. Here. Thank you for the, the privilege of being here. So, um, just to wrap up, I, we've been talking about these vitals. If you're new to the new to the Vital Podcast and you don't know about those, or go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. We talk about them. Um, but these are just the vitals of what healthy churches do and, and being balanced in them. If you want more information about all that we teach in Anglican Revitalization Ministries, uh, we have a, a new book out uh, called Revive. Um, that that kind of goes through the principles. You could take your church leadership through them, through the book. Uh, you can go to uh, church re- www.churchrevive.org, which is our website. And on there, there's a link to, to where you can purchase the book. So I encourage you to do that for more information. Or if you'd like to schedule a call with me to talk about it, how you can apply these principles into your church. Again, go to that same website, churchrevive.org, click on their schedule call and uh, and we'll do that and I'd love to uh, love to help We're, we exist to help you lead your churches into a place of health and, and thriving again so God bless you and I look forward to uh, talking to you on uh, the next Vital Podcast you've been listening to the Vital Podcast a podcast of Anglican Revitalization Ministries a division of the American Anglican Council be sure to share this podcast with other Anglican pastors and lay leaders who are also on the journey to church health For more information on Anglican Revitalization Ministries and all it has to offer, be sure to visit www.churchrevive.org.